0: It's time for the fastest 30 minutes in football talk. Welcome to Pigskin Podcast, your first look back at the NFL weekend. Now,
1: um, definitely not live.
0: From the studios of the Fan AM 1060 and the Fan1060.com, here are your hosts, Justin Karp and Brian Giverman.
1: Hi, Tower. 17 yards for Tim Hightower. Can you believe this kid did not even get an invite to the combine? Cardinals will take a knee. Their record will move to 3-2. And And that's it. Final score, 41-17 Arizona. It was a week that was dominated by the strange, the bizarre, and at some points, the downright dumb. Hello, everybody. It is the Pigskin Podcast right here on the Fan AM 1060 and thefan1060.com. I am Justin Karp, joined by Brian Gibberman, as I am every Monday night slash Tuesday morning slash whenever you're listening to this show. Brian, how's it going? Doing great after another great win for the
0: Arizona Cardinals.
1: Yeah, that's pretty much the best way to put it. We're going to get into that. We're going to get into... Brian did a lot of research over the course of the day. In our second segment today, we're going to talk about whether a team from the NFC West will beat anybody from the NFC East. We'll get into that. There are plenty of games left between the two divisions. We'll have our plays of the week. We'll talk about the biggest games of the weekend, including a tremendous Monday nighter where the Minnesota Vikings come back from the dead. Uh, And they're all of a sudden look like a team to beat. But we got to start with the Arizona Cardinals. And Brian, two weeks ago, seven turnovers, five interceptions, 56 points allowed to the New York Jets. They come home to face the undefeated Buffalo Bills. Three plays in, Trent Edwards is knocked out, literally and figuratively. And the Cardinals get an enormous win, 41-17. Don't forget the five sacks that they gave up against the Jets also. I mean, we're going to
0: go the opposite. From seven turnovers to zero turnovers. Mm -hmm. And they forced four after only forcing one against the Jets. 56 points to 17 points. And the five sacks to zero sacks. How the hell do they go from one <laughs> week of that to the next? I mean, is it, it really,
1: is, it's crazy. Is it really a matter of being in Glendale versus being on the road? They spent all that time on the East Coast. They didn't come home between the Redskins lost and the Jets lost. And then they get to come home. They spend a week at their own houses and their own beds. Does that really, you know, with with these guys getting put up in the best hotels and they're so well taken care of on the road, I know that most of them are away from their families, which is a burden. However, does it really make that much of a difference being on the road versus being at home right now? Because for the Cardinals, it was like night and day.
0: It has to. I mean, there's no other explanation for this. And plus, think about this. They were without their best. Player against the Bills also. Against the Jets, they had him. And they come out it's really is it's crazy. it makes no sense whatsoever. The Buffalo Bills had looked like one of the best teams in the league coming into that game. And you know what? I think we could put a lot of it on Trent Edwards going down. And by the way, on that play he got knocked out. What a throw he made. I mean complete pass, gets the first down. Trent Edwards is the player. JP Lossman comes in that first play, fumbles the ball, has an okay game, but JP K.P. Lossman and Trent Edwards are clearly not even in the same league.
1: Cards get the win 41-17 in Week 5. They move to 3-2. You, you, you quickly touched on Anquan Bolden. He gets knocked out at the end of that chess game. We all saw the play. We've all debated it. We've, we, we all know what happened there. You come into this game, no Anquan Bolden. You don't have your vocal leader in the locker room. You don't have your vocal leader and your talent leader on the field. Nine different Arizona Cardinal receivers caught passes. Kurt Warner spreading the ball around very nicely. He had early set. He used Steve Breston very nicely. Obviously, that report with Larry Fitzgerald is still pretty good. Two more touchdowns, including, I don't know how he threw that pass in the third quarter that basically ended that, that they put the icing on the game. But Kurt Warner, especially, and one of, the, one of the things I definitely noticed, when they played the hurry up, they put in the two-minute drill and the no huddle in those schemes. That's why Kurt Warner is this team's starting quarterback, because he executes that to a T and he spread the ball around. And it was almost, you know, you can talk about the perfect game that he threw back against uh, Miami this was almost there, too, because he played a really, really good football game.
0: Yeah, and I think they put that in a little earlier. They ran that two-minute two offense a little bit earlier in the game this week. They didn't wait till there was only two minutes left in the half or in the fourth quarter to run that offense. Steve Breston, seven catches, 77 yards. And I'll admit, I'm, I've been, I was wrong about him. I never thought he could be an NFL wide receiver. I watched him play in college. He had alligator arms. He couldn't catch a ball over the middle. And I don't know where it clicked in, but... But now that he's getting paid, he doesn't seem to be as afraid to go over the middle anymore. Early Doucette I thought would be a nice player. He was good at LSU yeah. but got hurt a little bit. Six catches, 42 yards. And I love the mental the mental part of his game. He has a bad drop in the third quarter on probably would have been a 20, 25-yard reception on the sideline. And he comes back. Kurt Warner doesn't lose confidence in him. And he continues to go on to have a very solid first NFL game.
1: Moving to the ground game, it was once again Edgerrin James and Tim Hightower dominating Edge, you know, really pounding the ball. It's a different kind of role than Edgerrin James is used to. He's really pounding the ball, you know, between the 20s, and Tim Hightower takes over in the red zone. He scored uh, twice again. Edgerrin James also gets into the end zone. And how about J.J. Arrington? He's active for the first time all season, and that might have been the best game that he's had since putting on an Arizona Cardinals uniform. He was all over the place. Feel like, you know, they use him the special teams a whole lot last season. That's kind of where his his niche was. He was returning kicks. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say he was returning too many points, but he was in that kicking game, and that's kind of where he carved out his role on this team. But I think you throw him into that running game, and you have Hightower as the short yardage back, the red zone back, Edwin James are ever down back. Now you throw J.J. Arrington into that mix. What does it bring to the Cardinals now? He's, it's another dimension.
0: Yeah, he's, he is a change of pace back that Hightower and James Aren't it seems like Hightower has a little bit better of a nose for the end zone than James, even though they're a little bit of similar. And Hightower probably has a little bit more of a burst, but Arrington can be that third guy that can hit the big play. And they essentially they used him on one drive pretty yeah. much. It was one drive he came and got so the ball. It was ball like a the best drive of his career. Yeah, and he played and he played great. And what I kind of think of, you can use three backs. Just look at what the Giants do with Brandon Jacobs, Derek Ward, and Ahmad Bradshaw. There's enough carries to go around. Maybe James just gets 13 to 15 carries a game and the other guys get each get in between 6 and 8 and you keep all the guys fresh and you that's how you wear out the defense by giving each of these guys touches. They're all fresh. The same defensive players are going to be on the field and that's a way to wear down the defense
1: and tire them out. A tremendous game in the trenches. For the first time, I can't believe I'm saying this. The offensive line had a terrific game for the Arizona Cardinals, protecting Kurt Warner and opening up holes. On the other side, the defensive line, getting pressure, obviously, on JP Lozman, opening up holes for the Blitzes. And speaking of blitzing, Adrian Wilson, who, here's, here's a little story for you Eric Green and, 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 um, and Adrian Wilson have, have lockers next to each other in the Cardinals' locker room. Adrian Wilson started putting on his pad for the game, and Eric Green asked him what he was doing. <laughs> Because nobody thought that Adrian Wilson was going to play. But on the third play, he comes in on the delay safety blitz, timed it perfectly, and knocked Trent Edwards out of the game. And that really set a tone. Adrian Wilson coming through, playing when he's hurt. You got to give a lot of props to him.
0: Yep, he played a very good game as a situational blitzer. Now, my question to you is... They come back next week. They got the Cowboys, and after that, they have the bye. Do you rest Wilson this week, give him the bye, and have him fully healthy for I, the rest of the season, or uh, do you think, or do you ha- do you play him against the Cowboys and hope? just cross your fingers that he doesn't get hurt.
1: I think you got to play him, especially because the Cowboys are slumping. They don't look like the Cowboys right now. They're not throwing the ball as easily as they should be with all those weapons on offense. So if you can get Adrian Wilson out there, you don't have to play him a ton, but I think if you can get him out there, he will make an impact and it will give the Cardinals that better of a chance at home against a slumping team to knock off the Dallas Cowboys. But that's next week. we got more to talk about on week five of the week of the Pigskin Podcast. Right here on the fan 1060.com coming up next some highlights from around the league talking about uh, some not so great plays here on the fan am 1060 and the fan 1060.com drop by for lunch with Kevin McCabe every weekday from 10 to noon and new no pickles oh god help you if i find pickles only in the fan am 1060 the voice of the fans
0: Share what makes America special. The SHARE High School Exchange Program has opportunities for families to host exchange students in your community. As a host family, you'll provide a plate at the dinner table, a comfortable bed, and your family's warmth and laughter. By opening your heart and home to a high school student from overseas, you'll gain a lifelong friend and experience the joy of discovering another culture firsthand. To find out more about hosting an exchange student, call today.
1: 1-800-941-3738. That's 1 800 941
0: 3738. Get in here! I got one thing to say. This is when the big dogs come out. Damn right. You can't
1: run with the big dogs. Stay on
0: the board. Arizona Sports Fan Radio is AM 1060. The Fan.
1: It in the game. Here's LT! No! He won't get in! He will not get
0: in! Janet Crowder! Joey Porter! What a great
1: goal line stand at a time when the Dolphins needed it most.
0: Rosenfels brings uh, Dreesen back in motion from right to the left side. And rolls on a bootleg coming out. He's wide open. He could run. He's got the first down. But the flag is... He lost, lost the him. ball! It's it On the right. With the football, with Colts have got it. Gary, Gary Brackett, Brackett down the sideline. He's at the 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Gary Brackett. Palmer is under center
1: and tosses left to Perry. And the ball's out at the 40-yard line, and the Cowboys appear to have it. I think Tank Johnson caused that fumble, ripped it out of the hands of Perry. And I think Anthony Spencer came away with the football, and boy, oh boy, did they need that. A veritable highlight, Fiesta, CBS, the Colts Radio Network, and 1310, The Ticket in Dallas, should be thanked for all of those. Those were the three downright, what-were-you-thinking plays of Week 5 that we made reference to earlier in the show. It's the Pigskin Podcast, FanAM 1060, Fan1060.com. Justin Carp, Brian Gibberman, the highlights you heard. The first one you should be shocked by, because we were and Somlinson all of a sudden can't get into the end zone on fourth down from about three inches out. And they lose to the Dolphins. Sage Rosenfels with a chance to run out the clock and beat the Indianapolis Colts at home. A team that you can't beat and you never have beaten. Fumbles the ball, return for a touchdown. Colts win the game. Finally, Chris Perry with a chance to pull the upset on the road for the winless Cincinnati Bengals. He can't hang on to the ball. Dallas takes over. Cowboys win the game. Bengals are still winless. Chad Johnson still only has about eight yards this season. Brian, let's start with LT. What comes over, Ladanian Tomlinson, where all of a sudden, the guy who got into the end zone, an NFL record 28 times a couple of years ago, on a play and a situation where he's never failed in his career, you lose into the Miami Dolphins. If I have to see Joey Porter go and kick the freaking dirt
0: again, i kill myself. <laughs> but... I mean, LT. You've never seen this out of him. He had last week. He was all right. He thought he was kind of turning the corner after his game last week. Then he comes back this week, and it's the same thing. It just didn't look like he ran hard on that play. You're used to seeing him jump, either jump over, over the top if it's clogged up, run and busting it to the outside. He's even
1: so strong. He's one of the strongest, stockiest running backs in the National Football League. He can even power himself There's into the end zone. Nothing
0: there, and it wasn't there, and. That was the first play of the fourth quarter, and the Chargers just never got even close to that, and they couldn't finish off the comeback this week as now the Dolphins have beat both teams that were in the AFC Championship game back-to-back weeks, and the 2-2 and Miami Dolphins, holy crap.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and even worse than that, you got the Chargers, who all of a sudden don't look like the Super Bowl-caliber team that we've seen in the last couple of seasons. Next game, Indianapolis at the Texans. Gary Kubiak, very, very aggressive play calling, water run right out the clock. But you got to remember that Sage Rosenfels is this team's backup quarterback for a reason. I don't know why Matt Schaub, in that situation, I feel like if Matt Schaub wasn't lying face up, and not able to move, he should have been on the field for the Houston Texans. However, Sage Rosenfels, gotta play smarter football, gotta hang on to that bowling situation. Rosenfels lost this game for the Houston Texans.
0: Well, remember, Rosenfels was very good last year, and there were some people who thought that yeah, he I, should have been the starter over I the I was one of the people year.
1: that thought Rosenfels should have been the but, starter, but you still gotta play smarter than that.
0: But Shaw, Oh, I agree. We weren't arguing on that part. Shaw actually had a good game last week. Finally seemed like he was turning the corner also, and then he had a viral who to know what happened there but he did not play sage Rosenfeld plays a fantastic game and then they're up twenty seven to seventeen with four minutes to go it's a third and medium distance and sage rosenfeld's takes off he's running and he thinks he's John Elway. but there's a difference they don't need that at that time you're the quarterback you have to be the smartest player on the field you need to know time you need to know situation you need to know down and distance I'm pretty sure it's third and seven he would if he would have just slid it would have been fourth and one inside the Colts 40 you can either go for it pooch kick it, and you're going to force the Colts to go at least 60 yards if they don't get the first down, if they go for it on fourth down, or they could force them to have to drive 90 yards and eat up most of that clock. Use your head right there. That was one of the dumbest plays I've ever seen. To dive head first, then you get spun like a helicopter. You're not Superman. He tried to fly like Superman (laughs) across 10 yards. Sage Rosenfeld's no. Stop. Take and just slide, and you're good. And the game continues, and you make it much harder for the Colts to win. All that he did was made it easy for the Colts to win. And then he does it again on the next play on another third down. I love Kubiak's play call. You trust your quarterback, and the one thing you tell your quarterback, worst comes to worse, you throw the ball away and you stop the clock. You do not turn the ball over in Colts' territory and give Peyton Manning a short field to win the game on, and eventually Peyton Manning hits Reggie Wayne on that touchdown
1: pass. Finally, the Bengals. Speaking of inexplicable, the Bengals go into Texas Stadium with no life, with no good quarterback play, with Chad Johnson getting into the end zone once in four weeks. Yeah, they've got the mighty Dallas Cowboys on the ropes throughout this game. They got a chance to, to tie the game on a two point conversion. It fails, but then they get the ball back with a chance to drive down and at least kick a field goal to take the lead. But Chris Perry, and don't forget, this is the team that cut Rudy Johnson, brought in Cedric Benson. And, you know, Chris Perry, somebody that you as a Michigan fan, very familiar with. Another case of the drop season. This isn't anything out of the norm for Chris Perry. He drops the ball, and he did it again, and with a chance to win a game, just like Rosenfels, they blew it. Yeah, Chris Perry leads the league in fumbles right now, and he
0: just cannot hold on to the ball. And you're right, the Bengals have to feel very, very stupid that they let Rudy Johnson go. Injury problems and all that... Put aside, he held on to the football. Chris Perry, very talented running back, had a touchdown called back in that game because of holding penalty, but he cannot hold on to the football, and he is killing that team, turning the ball over in key situations, especially right after the onside kick. They have all the momentum going their way. Chad Johnson's kissing Marvin Lewis on the sideline, (laughs) and
1: he screws it all up. It's almost like the perfect storm for the Cincinnati Bengals at this point. First, they can't get Chad Johnson the ball. And they got the ball to TJ Houshmandata, two touchdowns. But they can't get the ball to him. There's no one on that team picking up the slack other than those two guys. And when your top receiver, one of the top five receivers in the National Football League, all of a sudden can't catch the ball, then you know you've got a problem. You've got no running game to speak of. Carson Palmer doesn't have playmakers around him. The defense is a sieve. It all just is coming together for a team that three years ago was looking like it was turning the corner as a franchise. The Cincinnati Bengals, same old team, same old franchise again in 2008. Yeah, the Bengals and Lions are once again the
0: laughing stock of the whole NFL. And one game that was probably the most physical game of the weekend, Baltimore, Tennessee, great game to watch. And that game gets decided by a referee, Terrell Suggs, going over and he gave a little patty slap to... Harry Collins' helmet, and they call a 15-yard penalty. That's a disgrace. That's worse than the call Ed Lee yeah. made in the Broncos-Chargers game because this was a judgment call. Hockey Lee just made a mistake. The ref threw a flag on this and intention- not intentionally, but decided that game.
1: Coming, up, coming back after the break, Plays of the Week, Pickkin Podcast, The Fan, 1060.com. This is the voice of the fans. I don't believe what I just saw. AM 1060. Hi, this is Paul
0: McCartney on behalf of Rad. If you're drinking, you can't drive my car or any car. And remember, don't drink and drive. It's just not worth it.
1: Service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Don't just sit there yelling at the radio. Pick up the phone and dial 602-260-1060. From one fan to another, we want to hear from you. Only from AM 1060, the fan. Pigskin Podcast, fan AM 1060, fan1060.com. He's Brian Gibberman. I'm Justin Carp. We got a little bit carried away talking about the stupidity that went into last week's NFL games and had to push off our discussion of the NFC East versus West into this segment. So we'll talk about it now. Brian, you, you texted me about halfway through yesterday's action and asked me if I thought that anybody from the NFC East would lose to anybody from the NFC West. And without even looking at the schedule, I immediately texted you back
0: yes. To be honest, I don't think there's one game, home or on the road, that the NFC West is going to be favored against the NFC East. The NFC East will be road favorites and home favorites mm-hmm. in every single one of these games. And another thing that I think is really, really, really funny i think the nfc west best chance to win a game very well could be this upcoming week cardinals against the cowboys well
1: let's take a look at each of these teams up and down you got the cardinals you just mentioned next week against dallas they play on thanksgiving at philadelphia on a short week so that's tough. And then week 12 at home, defending Super Bowl champions and pretty much runaway best team in the league, uh, New York Giants. And I think the Cardinals
0: won home. I, so I went through, I looked at schedules. You know, in the NBA, you, when the team goes on a road trip, they play four out of five. They might it's, say it's the Spurs and they're going and they go play the Grizzlies on the last day of the road trip. They might lose to the Grizzlies. They're just tired, burnt yeah. out. So I kind of I went and looked through the schedule to see and tried to find any excuse that one of these NFC West teams could beat a better NFC East team. So that Week 12 home game against the Giants, the excuse I came up with, right after that game, the Giants play three straight division games coming down the stretch against the Redskins, Eagles, and the Cowboys. That maybe they'll look past the Cardinals in that game. Unlikely, but there's a little excuse there.
1: Niners, Philadelphia at New York, back-to-back Week 6 and 7, Week 12 at Dallas, last week of the season home against Washington. So they got to play everybody still. And I think
0: the only one they even have a chance at, the Eagles are going to be desperate. Yeah. They're not winning in New York or at Dallas. The one hope for the 49ers would be home against Redskins, <laughs> that maybe the Redskins, if they keep playing like they are, they have the division locked up or they're locked into a playoff spot, nothing can change, and they don't play anyone, and the 49ers are battling it out to go 8-8, eight and eight, and they could win that
1: game on something like that. Seahawks have three left. Week 9, home against Philly. Week 12, home against the Skins. Next week, week 13, at Dallas, I don't I don't see him winning any of those games yeah the
0: Redskins I mean the one thing the Redskins is the Seattle game sandwich between Cowboys and Giants maybe they get lucky and they look the Redskins look past them
1: and finally the Lambs of St. Louis nope yeah, nothing. No. Sorry, we got we got nothing for you. There's two, two games left, back-to-back, Week 6 and 7 at the Redskins. Skins coming off of a bye week, Week 7 at home against the Dallas Cowboys. I'll do a little bit more research, and we will find out if a team
0: has ever gone, a division has ever lost all 16 to another division since they changed to this format. I'm going to go with a no on that one. It
1: might just be the first one, so we'll give you updated on it. It'll be like, you know how in, the, uh, in, in college basketball you've got the ACC Big Ten Challenge, and the ACC usually just slaughters the Big Ten? Well, this is the NFC West-NFC East challenge, and it's going to be a nightmare for the teams so on we'll, this side of the country. Yeah, we'll keep an update. We'll, we'll, we'll follow
0: that throughout the season and keep you updated on how many more wins it's going to take the NFC East to hit that magic number 16.
1: Brian, i got to get that bad taste out of my mouth from all the stupid plays from that second segment. we got to get into these plays of the week, don't we? Oh, absolutely. Let's get them rolling here. Play number three. It was the Patriots getting back on track. Castle awaiting the
0: shotgun snap. San Francisco with a five-man defensive front. Direct snap to Castle. He rolls to his right. He looks. He's going to shoot it long and deep for Randy Moss. He's got it. 20,
1: 15, 10, 5. Touchdown. They answered that one. Matt Castle lofts the touchdown bomb to Randy Moss of 66 yards. Patriots Radio Network. Good news for the San Francisco 49ers is that Isaac Bruce apparently found the fountain of youth at Candlestick Park. Bad news is they still can't beat the Patriots.
0: Yeah, and it looks like the Patriots, Bill Belichick took the leash off Matt Castle, let him chuck the ball around a little bit, and Randy Moss finally reappeared.
1: Play number 2, a shocker at Lambeau is the Atlanta Falcons and rookie quarterback Matt Ryan go in there and they come out with a surprising victory. Three receivers in the set. Ryan on three steps. He's going to loop for the end zone. White is there. Caught. Touchdown Atlanta. Roddy White down the far side. He beat Will Blackman. and the disaster for uh, the only disaster about that one on the Falcons radio network is that I forgot to start Roddy White this week. They get the win, and Aaron Rodgers. I don't know; two straight weeks of not looking too sharp. Oh, he played great. He, he well, his he team did didn't two, look that he sharp.
0: Three, he had three touchdowns. It's not his fault. That the defense can't stop anyone. He <laughs> threw three touchdowns over three hundred yards. And uh, what? I don't know, do you really
1: think he managed the game that well, though? He still got beaten by the Falcons.
0: He threw uh, the Falcons don't seem to be too bad of a team. Three. Two that win a game in Lambeau Field, and what game was more of a shocker in 2000 when, when Michael Vick went into Lambeau in a playoff game and won that game in the snow, or this week's? I think this week. I'm sorry. Really? I think, oh, with, think,
1: a, I think with a rookie quarterback. A I think it's this quarterback
0: one. who's playing a lot more mature than a rookie, though.
1: Well, I give him all the credit in the world for that, but I still think that that Falcons team was better. I think it was a playoff game, a higher pressure, you know, a high pressure situation. And you know they they came out and won that game a couple years ago. I think this one's more impressive just because of the clear talent disparity between the Packers and the Falcons. For the number one play of the week,
0: Antoine Randall L went back to his college days at in Indiana.
1: Randall L in motion to the left. Gamble gives on the reverse to Randall L. He's got room. And they you know he's going to throw it. He's got Cooley inside the five. It's a touchdown. Touchdown, Redskins. Randall L. With the pass to Chris Cooley. Cooley's first touchdown of the year. And the Redskins take the lead. Redskins radio on the call. And even this game got the usually muted and soft-spoken Dan Snyder, their owner, fired up, screaming in the tunnel on the way down to the locker room after the game. We're 4-1. and one. We're 4-1. And
0: And I'll say it. I said it last week. Jim Zorn, Coach of the Year. This guy has come out of nowhere. He was a quarterback's coach
1: last year. He was hired as this team's offensive coordinator and then with two weeks on the job was promoted to head coach because they couldn't get Jim Fossil to take the job.
0: Unbelievable play caller. He has been just fantastic. That reverse play. And I don't know. I was reading today on that 4th-1 Clinton Portis called the play. It wasn't Jim wow. Zorn. Really? Clint, they, they had a huddle. There was a couple coaches. Clinton Portis and a couple other veterans were over there. And Clinton Portis goes, let's run a draw play. Jim Zorn looks at him and goes, you know what? That's a really good idea. Runs it and voila. Do,
1: wow. do you think it's a matter of Jim Zorn just not knowing any better at this point? He doesn't have any head coaching experience. It's his first rodeo in the NFL. He's probably just thinking, Why not? I can't screw up any worse than anybody else has that's taken this job. So why not just have some fun with it? Why not go out there like I don't know any better because I don't? This is with his fifth game coaching. He's got four wins.
0: I was talking to one of my friends about this game, and he brought up a good point to me. And he said that maybe that the league just hasn't figured out Jim Zorn's style yet. And once they catch up and they get some game tape on how and see his tendencies, because right now they don't really know any tendencies that he has, maybe about halfway through the season that this Redskins thing could fall down a little bit. But right now he really has it rolling. Could almost say the same thing about the Dolphins. The dog. That's a great point. <laughs> and they're talking about that they're going to bring out some other tricks and gadgets out of that. You saw Ricky Williams was going down. He was going to throw a pass today, used a heads-up play, and Ricky Williams, the unsung hero of that team, that block he threw on Ronnie Brown's touchdown when Chad Pennington was standing in the end zone like a little girl, scared, <laughs> created that touchdown for Ronnie Brown.
1: Cardinals-Cowboys coming up next week at University of Phoenix Stadium. Next Monday night, we'll have all the analysis and everything else from the world the National Football League. Brian, always a pleasure to work with you. Thanks for listening to the Week Five Pigskin Podcast right here on the Fan AM 1060 and the Fan 1060.com